0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Happy Soul Podcast. My name is Melissa and I am Sammy and we are your hosts. This is a podcast about life. Inspirational stories about facing life's challenges, rising through the obstacles to find happiness, success, abundance and love. So grab yourself your favorite warm drink, get comfortable and prepare to be inspired. Hi everybody. Today I want to welcome to the podcast my co-host. So we talked about at the when we started talking about this podcast, we started talking about how we'd like to get started and we decided that we would start by interviewing each other. And so my co-host Sammy has a really incredible story that I think is really touching and it's honest and it's raw and it's something that is really incredible to hear. And uh, one thing that I want to mention is I think that we should probably, Sammy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we should maybe just set out a little trigger warning, maybe like Yeah. trigger warning's important, trigger warning for anybody that might be triggered by health scares, and health
1: scares, infant,
0: stuff. I
1: wouldn't say infant loss, but potentially infant loss.
0: So why don't you dive in and tell us your story?
1: Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. So I'm going to give a little piece of backstories that just like help with the later story and like pieces that were harder for me. So we had our first two with like no, I mean, my first two, like they were not good pregnancies, but like no like major complications. Like everybody was fine. My second child was like a code blue at birth, but everything was fine. And then after him, we had a miscarriage. And so, so there's code blue birth, then miscarriage. And then this pregnancy with Theo and... Like we were told that I had sent a preview way through. So like it was possible he would come early, but not super likely. And then he came just over six weeks early. So two weeks stay in the NICU. For me, like NICUs, I know a big thing for a lot of people. It wasn't super stressful for me. And he was pretty healthy. I'll hear NICU, no issues. And then we came home Christmas day. And about a week later, he started showing signs of being sick. And then I took him to see a doctor I can dive into those pieces later, but I took him to see an ER doctor and they basically were like, nope, he's fine. Go home. Stop being a paranoid mom was kind of the impression I got. And then I, you know, brought the, my concerns to attention to my midwife and she kind of said, well, like, yeah, I think he is sick, but like nothing to concern about, but I think he's got this other thing. And then the next day I took him into our, so The next day, I took him into our family doctor for like our post NICU check that we had to do. And he basically dismissed all of my concerns, said he was fine, even though it was noted that he had a low temperature and he was still, he was technically only 37 weeks and one day gestational age. So he was still premature. I mean, like if he was born then, he would have been like early term, but he had been a premature baby, so
0: and can yeah. I interrupt you for just a minute? Did yeah. you have any concerns about being discharged when you were getting discharged from NICU initially, were you concerned at all about that? Slightly.
1: I am a pretty, like generally a pretty trusting person in professionals. And I remember because he was so healthy, they kind of had talked about him going home and, and they like the week prior to Christmas, they started kind of saying, well, like if he does well, like he can go home soon, maybe like early next week. And my husband was like, oh, like maybe we can ask if he can come home on Christmas Eve. And I was like, don't push it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want that on my hands. If I push him to come home early and something happens, he's like, I won't. I'll just ask the question. And so like on the Wednesday he asked and they were like, honestly, like we, it's very rare that we let babies go home. Um, earlier than 36 weeks and he was like even sending home babies at 36 weeks we don't really like to do but like he's been really healthy he's had no coats he's had no outside of his like first two days when he was on uh, CPAP he's had no issue I mean he was on oxygen for a few days after that too but he's had no issues he's feeding really well he's gaining really well he was born at a big size for a premature baby he was born at yeah (laughs) a a premature baby so they were like we're comfortable sending him home he would have been 35 weeks and five days the day he sent we sent him home Okay. So like, I was nervous. And I remember asking, like, you know, should we have like a monitor on him? And they said, No, he, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't send him home if he we weren't confident he'd be okay. Okay, and we had told a nurse before we were discharged, we said, like, our kids are at home, and they're sick, Um, like a cough and a runny nose. Is it okay that he goes home? And she said, well, test them for COVID. But if it's not COVID, then it's likely fine that he goes home. I'd heard of RSV. I knew about RSV. But like, I told the doctors they were sick and they were like, no, it's probably fine. And I was like, okay. I remember this moment in the nick. this is, there's so many little pieces that have just like taught me to trust my gut and not trust the medical professionals anymore. And not like as a whole, I don't know better than them, but like to bring up the information that I think is missing. And there's this piece when they were talking about our discharge and I think it was the Friday that we could pick him up on Saturday and the same nurse who had talked to us about like the COVID test was in that we had told that people were sick at home, um, was there. And they said like, are there any concerns as to why you think this baby shouldn't go home? And she said, no. And they asked us if we had any concerns. And I remember thinking, should I tell them, like, should I tell these doctors my kids are sick Yeah. or would the, should the nurse have said that? And I was like, well, I think if it was an issue, the nurse would say it and she didn't say anything. So I like, just trust that. And like, so much of me is like, I wish I had said something. Cause they probably would have said keep them here. You know? Yeah. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they also would have been like, no, it's probably fine. Go home. I -hmm. don't know. So yes. But yeah, that was the only big big one. Mm -hmm. You know, people tell you like when you have your first baby and you first go home from the hospital, um, I know this was different for you again with your first experience, but Mm -hmm. if you have just like a general birth whether it's c-section order or a term baby yeah and you go home with no complications for the baby side of things that you know you they always say like you know you're so nervous you're worried about everything and you're like you know you're so terrified I didn't have that with my first yeah. she was born I passed out in the hospital room like yeah. I did not I did not not yeah. sleep when she was asleep like she was sleeping yeah. I was sleeping and I took that to heart like it didn't yes I was aware of SIDS and I was worried about
0: it yeah
1: but I was generally like, she's fine. You're pretty, like,
0: you're pretty calm, right? Like you're just, pretty.
1: Yeah. Like I was yeah. pretty, like I'm imp- I've had so many people say to me, like, you know, when you first come home with a baby and you're so worried, you don't know anything. Or like when you have your parents there all the time, because like you don't know what to do. And I was like, did not experience any of that. Yeah. It was not my situation. So I was more nervous with him for sure than I was with my first two, but I wouldn't say overly.
0: So then, okay. So then you're discharged and you go home and you said you went to. The doctor and then the midwife.
1: Yeah, so I went to an ER doctor and then a midwife, and then our family doctor. Okay, who all essentially said like, "Yeah, i sick, but he's fine." Like, "You're a paranoid." They didn't say these words, but their okay. body language said these words and their tone. Mm-hmm. You're a paranoid, mom. Your baby's fine. And then, so Tuesday we saw. So Sunday we saw the first ER doctor. Monday was my midwife. Tuesday we saw our family doctor. Wednesday morning, I won't go into all the details, but essentially it was very clear to me that he was very sick and needed to be seen. But I had just been told three times that he was fine. And so I was second guessing myself all day. And I was like, do I take him back in? I can't take him back in. Like I've been told three times. And then by midday, I was like, I'm taking him in probably like two or three o'clock. I was like, I'm taking him in when AJ gets home from work, but I'm going to get AJ to come so he can drive with me and we can go up to the children's.
0: What were you seeing? What were the symptoms that you were seeing? (sighs)
1: so the I that night I woke up to feed him
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he so this was actually backtrack but when we were discharged from NICU they said don't wait more than four hours between feeds just
0: oh okay okay Sorry. gotcha yeah I was like, oh,
1: okay. um so we were discharged and then on the following Friday my midwife came over and she said he so he gained about a pound in that week just under a pound okay. and okay. she said like you can probably go to feeding on demand if you want to and something okay. in me was like No, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to keep feeding on that four hour schedule because something is like, the only reason I would go to feed on demand is for my own convenience Mm -hmm. and my own sleep sake. And I'm fine to go another three weeks with waking every four hours to make sure that he's fine. Mm -hmm. So most of the time he always woke up on that three and a half, four hours. Like I never had to wake him up. Sometimes you wouldn't wake up at the three and a half, but he always woke up at the four. And so that night around midnight ish, I had set an alarm to wake up at the four hour mark and he didn't wake up at the four hour mark. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to feed him, he had a really horrible feed and I had to like snot suck him. And he was just very, very sleepy, not unresponsive, but very sleepy. Okay. And I was like, okay. And like now backtrack to the first ER doctor, I had called HealthLink before going into him. And I felt that I saw retractions, which is like sucking in, in their rib cage mm-hmm. Um, but yes. I had also, the only breathing reference I had was what I'd seen of him in NICU. Like, I don't remember what a baby breathes like. I What well, was was his breathing in NICU? And he had retractions there. And to me, it looked the same. But I don't remember what his breathing was when we came home, just when he right. was on the CPAP and stuff.
0: Right.
1: And so, but well, when I went into the doctor, he was like, no, you'll see his ribs. And I was like, I can see his ribs. He was like, no, it should be more. So, like, his breathing was getting worse and worse. As I mean, yes. the other doctor even said to me, so the second doctor Third doctor, I guess, if you count the midwife, said, "Yeah, I can hear some wheezing in his lungs, but it's not that bad." Which I've learned for premature babies should like never like like if they have any sickness, like breathing issues, if you can hear in their lungs, they should be monitored right away because they because premature babies uh, up until they hit gestational age, if they have a hard time breathing, they'll just stop. It's just too hard. They it's it's a real thing. They will just stop. RSV is like one of the biggest killers of babies in third world countries because they don't have the medical advances we have here.
0: Terrifying.
1: So it's a real thing that babies just stop breathing because RSV makes it too hard to breathe. Wow. Anyways. So, yeah, so he didn't really wake up for the feed, but he fed, it was okay. And I was like, okay, well, so I'll set the next, so i set the next four hour alarm. And again, he didn't. So by the time I like got him to feed, it was probably like one o'clock-ish. So then um, The next four hour alarm was at five. And then, so I tried to wake him up and I remember I like tried to not suck him and he would kind of latch and then fall back asleep. And like, you know, when like n- a normal new baby, you fall asleep. So you like change their diaper, wake them up and then they eat a bit. And then yeah. it was like that, but like eat- he was eating way less than that. Like it was like a quick latch, cry, fall asleep kind of thing. It was like not, it was not the same.
0: Yeah.
1: And so before I knew it, I can't, I have this written down somewhere before I knew it. Hours had gone by and I couldn't get him to eat. So it'd been the four hours. And I think by 10 AM, so it was like eight hours, I think six or seven. I don't remember the, maybe I'm getting the timing wrong. I think it was only six or seven hours by the time I finally emailed my midwife. And I said some derivative of, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know that I made it sound more nonchalant than it was. But right. like that's upon reflection, I didn't know right. this information that I gave to them until right. I until I knew. And so, like I said, you know, he's his he hasn't eaten an X amount of hours. I'm having a hard well, he like he's barely eaten. I'm having a hard time getting to eat. I I can't remember everything, but one of the things I said in there is that I'm having a hard time keeping his temperature up. It's sitting at about 35, which is hypothermia. Below 35 is hypothermia. 35 is like you were going into hypothermia. (gasps) And um, I didn't know this. I I knew that he couldn't have a low temperature, which is why I was fighting so hard to keep his temperature up.
0: What is healthy baby temperature?
1: 36.5 to 37.5.
0: Okay. So it's not a big drop. But it's But little drops in those numbers make a big difference when they're that little, right? Totally. And like in NICU, if we took his temperature and it said 36.4,
1: they would say do it again it was like it needs to be at least 36.5 or we need to warm him up and wow. when we went into the doctor the day before she had taken his temperature and said it's a little low but like it's cold in this room and like because she dismissed it I was like well it's probably not that
0: big a deal so you emailed your midwives and said yeah. that he's 35
1: yeah and I think that was about 10 ish in the morning and then about half an hour later he had a really big poop oh and he had uh one dry diaper and so the rule for premature babies is two dry diapers in a row. They go into the hospital. Whereas like a term baby is like less than five or six white diapers in a day. Right. And so we'd had one dry diaper and the next diaper was like barely wet. Like it was like, there was a tinge of blue, but if you felt the diaper, you couldn't feel pee, you know, when that happens. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I told them that. And so about, about a half hour later, he had a really big poo and then he ate a little bit. Like it was a better fee than he'd had. And so I sent another email at about eleven fifteen ish, and I said, "Hey, like he had a really big poo, and he finally ate." But nobody called me on that email. Now, Did every other back email, nobody
0: or called. like replied to you. No reply, nothing.
1: Which I recognized that was like, like emergency information, and like typically you should call for that. Every which I didn't know that at the time, but every other email I've, I've sent to my midwives, they call me within an hour. Non urgent stuff, they call me within an hour. So it was like super weird that nobody called me on that specific one. Weird. So then, so yeah, around that time, a little bit later, he didn't really improve. I thought, okay, maybe he'll improve after the feed, And then he didn't. There's other symptoms that were throughout the week. I won't get into them, but so that was kind of what I was seeing that morning. I thought maybe he'd improve after the feed and he didn't. His temperature wasn't going up. And so I was like, I'm just taking him in when AJ gets home. So his breathing, I don't remember if this was how it was all day, but He had, he had a nap and I had a nap and this part like hurts me to tell, because I just think like the timing is so close. Like if this had happened while that nap had happened, you know, like what I would have woken up to things that other people have woken up to and things like that. And so we had this like, I think two hour nap and then I woke up to feed him again with my alarm and I was around four. And again, I tried to get him to feed and he really wasn't having a feed and his breathing was just horrible. Now I can see how horrible it truly was. but like at the time I I'd seen his breathing in the NICU, which was not yeah. awesome. And so I didn't right. like notice the progression of better breathing to yeah. see how much it had shifted again.
0: yeah
1: and so like knowing what I know now, like I'm like I think like you freaking idiot, like how did you not call an ambulance? you know like it I, oh. I'm better now, but like when I retell the story and I sat in this place for a really long time just blaming myself for this whole thing and like how did you not call an ambulance? I have a video of his breathing and he takes a 15 second pause in his breathing. Like I'm like shaking him like, come on, buddy, take a breath. But it was like, I wasn't shaking him like, Oh my God, breathe. I was like, he was eating and you know how like they kind of hold their breath every once in a while. Yeah. Right? So I wasn't counting the seconds. And I, I know I should have been, but I wasn't. And I, so I sent another message to the midwife and I said, Oh, I called her. Sorry. I called her and she, I don't remember the exact order this happened in, but from my memory, I might have this a bit backwards. I called her, she answered. And she said, how's he doing? And I said, like, not super great. I've got some more concerns. His breathing sounds a little funny to me. And she said, okay, I'm just leaving a client's house. Like send a video to me and I'll call you right back. And I was like, okay. So it was pro- actually, it was probably like closer to five from maybe 445 that I called her or I maybe I called her around four and she called me back around 445. I can't remember, but that conversation happened. And okay. then I recorded this video and I sent it to her and so AJ gets home usually around like 5:30 ish. I think it was like 5:35. It was, it was he was home before this happened? So whatever the timing was, the video I finally when I sent her the video, it was about like I have timestamps. I think it was 5:48 and 6:08 are my two timestamps that I have for like things that happened. So 5:48 I sent her this video. Maybe it was 5:53. What would make it 16 minutes? I don't know. 608 doesn't matter there's a 16 minute time stamp in there from like the time I sent my last message to my midwife to the time I got a text message from my neighbor saying are those fire trucks at your house do you need us to watch the kids like it was a very small window I didn't see the message till later I just know that like obviously my phone tells me that's when the message was sent basically so I sent the video to my midwife and was waiting to hear back and AJ came home and so all day, my dad had been there watching, well, my stepdad was there in the morning and my dad was there in the afternoon watching my two other kids on the main floor because I had had a C-section and was just kind of trying to recover in bed. <clears throat> so AJ came home at like 535. He came up the stairs really quickly to say hi. And when he came up, the kids came up with him. And I had Theo like up on my chest, like head rested on my chest because we were doing skin to skin because I was trying to keep him warm. So he was in a diaper. I was like half topless, and I had like blankets over him. AJ came up and said, hi. And he was like, I'm just going to help your dad for a second. And then I'll be right back. And so he went down, the kids said, can we watch a movie? Cause we had the TV in our room at the time. And I said, sure. And so I asked them what they want. I don't remember what it was. I asked them what they wanted. It took me a minute to get it on, got the movie started for them, played it and then sat back and then went to readjust. And I remember readjusting and I looked at Theo and like his face just looked a funny color. And so I like, hold him down so like he was like head on my hand and like I could see his whole body I mean I don't know what his color his feet were but I know that head arms torso were completely blue like blue and he was just limp and I screamed down to my husband I said AJ call 911 Theo's blue and he was up the stairs in a second and like all I think of is he wasn't home I would have, well, I didn't know where my phone was. But if he wasn't home, I would have A had to search for my phone at this time, or B had to call my dad, who would not have moved nearly as fast as AJ did. And I don't mean that rudely. He just no, no. His, his demeanor of course. His, of course. Of course. And so AJ was up in half a second. He goes, What? I said, call 911. So I laid him down on the bed. And and I remember like I had done CPR training in when I was working. And he was like completely still. He was blue. There was no breaths being taken. He was completely lifeless for lack of a better term. And I was trying to remember my CPR and I was just about to like breathe, open his mouth and like breathe into his mouth when he like kind of half coughed. And so I was like, Oh, he's okay. And so I kind of tilted him to see if anything came out and nothing came out. And then I, and, and I laid him back down. He didn't breathe again. Like he didn't take a breath with that cough. It was like a, like a choking and then he just laid there and I was like, okay. And I went to do it again. And then a little bit of white stuff came like he coughed up some milk I guess and so I tipped him over and a bit of milk came out and at that time when I was about to lay him down again AJ came up with 911 one on the phone and said obviously like put him down on a hard surface not your bed like they didn't say that they said put him on a hard surface and so we brought him onto our onto the floor and now we had just been spent two weeks in the NICU and had only been home for a week over Christmas so our house all of our baby and he came six weeks early so we had no baby stuff set up like all of our baby boxes were all over our room like there was just stuff everywhere in our bedroom because it was you're trying to get organized for a baby that came
0: early right yeah totally
1: and so and we were spending all our time at the NICU we weren't cleaning so it was just like Christmas chaos it was just everywhere
0: oh my god! so I lay
1: him down on the ground and the person on the phone says is he breathing and AJ said not really." And she goes, tell me if he takes a breath and time went by. I don't know how long, obviously. And he was like now, and she was like, he's not breathing. Like you need to do CPR. And so this phone went on speakerphone and she was like, obviously like check his mouth for blockages. And AJ tried to, like, stick his finger in there. And I, like, smacked his hand away. <laughs> I was like, you never, like, blind swipe. If you can't see something in a baby's mouth, like, you're just going to make it worse if you shove your finger in there.
0: So you have training in this, right? Like, you have yeah. CPR training?
1: Yeah, I had to take it for, for personal training. I had to take it every year.
0: Wow. Which... <laughs> i used to sit
1: in those courses there was one guy that we knew would go through it the fastest now he still taught you everything he needed to know he mm-hmm. still tested you he still did everything he just like he talked really fast and so you get out like an hour earlier than like yeah everybody else so i'd always pick him and i'd always be like like when am i ever going to use this and like <gasps> or when am i ever going to be in a situation where there's oh nobody else qualified to do this you know like there's going to be at least 10 other trainers around me if this ever happens oh my god <laughs> and in this moment, like I, my therapist asked me, how did you feel when this happened? And I was like, there were no feelings there. Were, I, I do not recall a single feeling in this moment. It was a do, There was not an ability.
0: Yeah. And I would so, imagine the feelings come after. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: most of the feelings came. Well, when the, when the, when the fighter, firefighters arrived and yeah. then like when we got out of the hospital, Yeah, time.
0: I bet, I bet. But, but, sorry. Um, keep going. So, no, no, she, it's okay. I see your phone
1: keep talking but um i just keep telling this long story and then um,
0: it's good it's good
1: she was like okay well i need you to you know to still chin up open his mouth and breathe in put your mouth over his mouth and nose and you need to breathe in until you feel his chest rise because you're not going to breathe hard because he's like a six pound baby and so we do that and i was like i don't feel it going anywhere she's like check for blockages again and so we check for blockages and so now imagine how much a sleeping child would move if you breathed into their mouth he did not respond. He did not respond to us breathing in his mouth. So we did another breath. I said, I still don't feel like it's going anywhere. said, okay, you need to start chest compressions. My God. I knew them. And, but it's two fingers in the middle with a baby. It's two fingers in the nipple line, 20 compressions. And then you do a breath again. So she counted out 20 compressions. And I remember sitting there and like hand on his chest. It was my left hand. I think on his chest doing these compressions and I remember thinking I can't do this like I can't I can't do compressions on my six pound baby but I had to and so obviously I kept going and then that was the only feeling I really had I guess yeah and then uh so she counted 20 and then she did okay do two more breaths so we did two more breaths and then she's like compressions again and I started the second I did the second round of compressions and I was, and I remember when I was doing the second round of compressions, I heard—I don't remember if it was a doorbell or a knock on the door. I don't remember, but I just remember thinking, like, "Please God, be the EMS, please be the EMS." Yeah. And I was just about to do the second round of breaths when AJ came out the stairs with the—or I don't know if AJ was there or if it was just the firefighter—but came in the room. And at that time, he came down. He he sat down. He was like, "I'm a first responder. I can take over from here." And at that time, I sat down and just bawled. Like I was like. Just immediately started crying because I was like, "Thank the freaking Lord, someone can do this. That's not me." And Theo started moving like he wasn't breathing well yet, but he actually kind of became alert, and you could see that he was starting to take breaths on his own. And the firefighter said, "Like, okay, I can see that he's taking some breaths on his own. They're not great, so I'm gonna give him some blow by oxygen, but I'm just gonna watch him right now, like just so you know, I'm watching him." I want to see what he does because he's starting to breathe on his own. I I don't need to continue yeah. compressions right now.
0: Right.
1: And I was like, okay. And so he's like, while well, I watch him and give him oxygen, like tell me what happened. And so I'm telling him the story. And then I don't know how long he was there for before the EMS also showed up. Mm-hmm. And the EMS came. And I've since been told by a friend who's, whose husband works in EMS that like baby calls and kid calls, like nobody wants to go to those. Nobody wants to show up to those. hmm the EMS came in and um, started asking me what happened. And so I retold him the story. I don't remember exactly it, but so he's like trying to like suction stuff out of his nose. He's like, sometimes they choke on milk. Like, you know, that this happens sometimes. At this point, Theo was like, eyes wide open, arms and legs moving, color back. Like just the EMS was honestly convinced that he had just choked on milk. And I knew that that wasn't the case, but.
0: Did EMS hear the story or did the, do you know how much of the story the EMS responders heard? I I don't remember at that point.
1: Mm-hmm. You know I don't know. Because also while this was happening,
0: apparently while we
1: were doing CPR, like in the middle of the chest compressions, my he would have been two and a half at the time. My two and a half year old son was trying to climb on us, like apparently he climbed on my back. I think while I was doing it, I don't remember. But my dad said he saw it happen and he just grabbed him and took him to the other room. And I remember hearing like after when, when whenever, when he was breathing, okay. And things settled down, like Rory had just been screaming in his room with my dad the entire time, but it was not important. He was alive and fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Until (laughs) things settled a bit that I went to check on him, but yeah, Sloan was in the room. And as there was like a fire, so like just stuff everywhere and the firefighter and their stuff, and EMS and their stuff. And Sloan's looking on the, she's on the bed looking and she's going, there's too many people in this room there are so many people (laughs) it was like funny obviously right and how old was she uh she would have been just turned just about to turn four okay and when I sat down and started crying she got off the bed and like comes over and like arm around my neck and the other one around my back Mm -hmm. it's okay mom it's okay to cry
0: (laughs) oh
1: I know I know it's okay thank you (laughs) that lesson got through right (laughs) yeah and um so yeah so it kind of like chilled out for a few minutes there like Theo just started breathing on his own like he was really alert at this point Mm -hmm. I was just like holy crap like thank goodness he's alive like okay he's alive and the EMS he was so alert the EMS was legitimately convinced that he had just choked on it but he was like but we're gonna take him into the hospital anyways just to get checked it was he literally said that just to get checked because like that's how alert
0: he was he seemed so fine and at this point were you like hell yeah we're going to the hospital or like like were you ready to brawl if somebody said we're not going to the hospital were you gonna be like absolutely uh,
1: if he was (laughs) like yeah no I think he's fine I would be like no he's not fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) like no but when he said yeah I think we're gonna take him to the hospital get checked and I would in my head I remember thinking like yeah you are (laughs) Yeah. and then so they were like well, we could take him in his car seat so aj went to get his car seat and they strapped the car seat to the stretcher okay so things kind of slowed down because he was doing so good and so we got him in the car seat and i was like can i come with you in the ambulance they were like absolutely and so my dad was there and aj was there and my dad couldn't stay for the night and so we had to call aj's mom to come and stay with the kids and aj's like i'll come up as soon as i can and i was like okay i think he stayed to put the kids to bed if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. Um, because he didn't want them to have both of us leaving right off the bat totally I went in the ambulance reflecting on this I think how the f does this happen but like in the moment I was like okay but the ambulance driver
0: could not find his keys to drive the ambulance I'm sorry just because we're recording this audio and not everybody is going to see my face my (laughs) jaw just dropped (laughs) I just realized I made a face that not everybody's gonna hear but my face looks something like great big eyes and jaw open like what
1: no and like at the time I was like I mean it's fine but like I think back about it I'm like what if what if it wasn't what if someone legitimately like actually needed to be rushed in that moment that
0: that responder must have just been like
1: freaking out maybe they have like a spare set and that was just like the backup set I don't know no, maybe it's like use this oh, set unless like there's God. this emergency i don't know but he couldn't find his keys so we got loaded in and we were waiting for a few minutes for him to find his keys oh, yeah i know Just like so silly
0: that's a okay anyways keep going I so he, so he finds his keys and he has his keys heads. we get we drive we start
1: driving and during the drive so they hook up a sat monitor to his foot and uh we're driving and he falls asleep partway on the drive as babies do mm-hmm. and um the EMS EMT or whatever paramedic was asking me all these questions about like the story and what had happened. And I don't remember how long we've been driving for, but then I was like, his sat started to kind of drop a little bit. And so he was like, come on, buddy. So he started like pinching his legs and stuff. And Theo would kind of like sit up and like start breathing again. And um, so that happened like not, they weren't driving drastically, but like a little bit. And so we do that. And then there was a period of time where I said, does he look like he's blue again? And like his numbers were just crashing. And the EMT was like, yeah, and he started pinching him and like shaking him, like pinching his legs. And it wasn't enough. Like he was not responding to like, and I'm not like skin pinch. I mean, like two fingernails, you are like digging into this kid's skin, trying to hurt him to make him breathe. And he was not mm-hmm. responding. Paramedic literally had his head hand on Theo's head and was like shaking it side to side. Buddy, wake up. Come on, buddy. Breathe, buddy. Come on, wake up, buddy. And like just was not responding. And then finally he did. And he said, I need you to unstrap him. And I, my assumption is in case I need to pull him out and do CPR. He didn't say as much, but I feel like that's the only reason to unstrap a baby in a moving vehicle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had to unbuckle him and he kind of, he didn't, I think it was at that point that the guy at the front said some, like some derivative, like, how are we doing or whatever. And the guy, what I was with said, like, bring the heat and tell him we're coming in hot, which from my understanding is turn the sirens on drive as fast as you can and tell them that we have somebody who is in very critical condition coming yeah. into the room. everything just changed yeah he just crashed totally again My God. um because they also were doing blow by oxygen in the in the ambulance too and so we went in and uh i remember when he started crashing again just being in the ambulance i don't think i actually cried but i was very close to crying and just like please make it to the hospital like please they <laughs> like they have so many more things that can help you there. Like, you can't go in the ambulance. Like, please make it to the hospital. Like, I honestly was convinced he wasn't making it to the hospital again. And that few minutes that it took from whatever he said that till we got to the hospital was the longest few minutes.
0: I so bet. long. I
1: bet. And we got there. And as we were pulling in, he said, we're, we're getting in. We're just getting out and taking him. And I was like, go. <laughs> like, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. Don't wait for me. And so, like, I moved. They pulled the stretcher out and whipped him down the hall by the time I got there because I was still three weeks post-c-section at this point oh so my like, god you know right so I can't oh run my up. god I wasn't even like holy crap so we, we go to I get when I get to the trauma room there's like a bajillion doctors all over now I've had other girlfriends tell me stories about bringing their kid in and like you know you come into you walk like walking into the hospital they walk into the hospital they take their sat monitors and they they take their, their sat sorry and they're like oh like let's bring we need to bring them right back and they bring them right back and there's you know. 10 people that come in hook them up yeah and then they leave they all disperse right yeah and their baby's just happy and it's because they're on oxygen and they yeah then they just have to be admitted right and I'm like I don't mean to be ungrateful but holy frick I wish that was my story because I know there's people listening that have worse stories and are wishing that they found their baby as fast as I did right I recognize that so I get to this and they like, you know, they're like, oh, you know, the person who comes and asks you like your name, your baby's name, their birth date, you know, are they breast milk or formula? Like, can they ask you all these questions? I was like, nope. I was asked for his birth date. And then someone said, don't ask her those questions and pulled that person away from me.
0: Wow. holy! Totally. And so and was that because everybody was solely focused on let's just get this kid stabilized or was that because they were like, don't bother this mother right now? <laughs>
1: I think it was basically that, like, because this baby is so unstable, it does not matter anything yeah. else right now. He's not, yeah. he's likely not living. So we need to make him living before this information matters is the way wow. I interpret it. Wow. Holy smokes. And so <clears throat> when I walked in, I like, there were so many doctors around him from what I remember there would have been like, yeah, nine or 10, probably people in there. Plus
0: the uh, one nurse near me and then a social worker near me. And, and did you just feel like, was there anybody there? specifically for you yeah there's a social worker there okay and she was there like to keep you yeah calm or to keep your
1: yeah I'm sure she didn't know what to do with me because I barely said two words but she I wasn't crying I wasn't I was just there and I remember Ah, like yeah yes I don't know I mean I'm not a big crier anyways but I I remember walking and I remember seeing the image and it's just like yeah they're all around him and trying to get him to breathe or whatever and and they got him on oxygen and for the first while like I was standing back and while they were doing things and like he wouldn't breathe for a long period of time and they'd poke him and they'd make him breathe again and then um, someone was watching to see how long he would go without taking a breath and the longest he went was 60 seconds at one point before they they stepped in to make him breathe and after they kind of did that so then there would be one person who was constantly like her eyes were like glued to him to be like to make sure if he was not breathing that someone was poking him but I mean I was next to him too so like I was poking him all the time and I remember like they were like if he doesn't take a breath within 15 seconds you need to pinch him and it was like no you need to pinch him harder like you need to hurt him like you can't be afraid because he's not breathing and and so like in in the trauma room they can only hook them up to just general oxygen And so they're like, we need to put them on high flow, but we can't do that here. So we're going to admit you to ICU. And I was like, okay. And so backtrack, I remember the social worker was trying to like, she tried to talk to me. I don't remember what she was very sweet. I don't remember anything that she said. I think she was holding my coat. I think I had a coat. All I came with was a phone, a a coat and boots. Like I had, I put on the sweat. Like I was in like, I was half naked when the firefighters came. I was doing skin to skin. (laughs) and I've been home all day. (laughs) I hadn't brushed my teeth that day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think it went two full days before I so gross before I brush my teeth because I was finally like, I need you to go. You brush? Brush yeah. my teeth.
0: I want to rewind you back to, just yeah. because when I was watching your story on Instagram, and I'm probably going to say this again at the end of this, but just, I want to direct people to your Instagram because the story that you told there as well is really, you did a really great job telling the story on your, on your Theo stories highlights. Mm-hmm. What's your handle again? keeping up with the johnsons keeping up dot with the johnsons (laughs) yes okay so you can go there to see this story on your theo stories highlights but because there was just one moment where like my gut just kind of sank when you were telling the story so i want to rewind you back to you walk into the room and everybody's in a fury around theo and tell yeah the doctor, yeah.
1: Yeah. I forgot about the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So we walked in the room. And yeah. So the lady came up to me and just said like when's his birthday and then asked me that. And then they were like, no more questions and pulled her away. And I remember being like like a slight post of what were the other questions. And then I had a girlfriend who was admitted who told me all the questions. I was like, ah, oh, okay. And then the social worker was there. We walked in the room. And I remember all the doctors were still around him, or the nurses or whatever they were. And the doctor walks over to me and he goes, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And And I was like, yep, you are. I saw you on Sunday. And he was the exact same doctor that had told me on Sunday that I was basically a paranoid mom and he was going to be fine. And like, and I say this, like he didn't say those words, but when this doctor walked into the room, when I, when he came in to see him, he didn't even look at Theo before he walked in and sat down on a chair and crossed his arms and said, so your baby has a cold, like in the most demeaning term, like you poor first mother, your baby has its very first cold. It's going to be just fine. That was basically, and I said, like, he's like, well, and you know, all these other things that I could get into that he said that were just horrible advice that a- I reported to AHS in a very constructive way. Yeah, and They called me and like profusely apologized and they were like, I guarantee you, he will be spoken to about this information.
0: You're good. <laughs> so what was his, so he completely dismissed you when you went in. Yeah. um and I think that like I want to ask you more about you can ask me whatever you want at the I think maybe I'll save it for the end but I do want to ask you more about the things that were dismissed specifically by by the professionals like the kind of bad advice bits but what was his reaction when you were like yeah I saw you with this baby (laughs) Did he was, did he pause? Like, was he like the way I interpret it? Obviously like
1: mask on. So all I have is eyeballs to go off of and and body language. But he was like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And and I was like, yep, you are. I saw you on Sunday. And he was like, yeah. And he literally just walked away (gasps) from me and went back to the other doctors. And this is what makes me so freaking angry is at the hospital. He said, no, he doesn't really have retractions. He's fine. And at this point he said, so I emerged when you first
0: went. When I first when went. First saw him.
1: Now he goes back to the other doctors and said, So I, I did see Theo on Sunday in the eMERGE and he had some minor work of breathing. And I wanted to be like, You mother effer, you oh like you told me he didn't. You told me he didn't. You told me he was fine. And any and you I discounted so many, my concern about it. Yeah. I've been told by so many doctors that any premature baby, any under two-month-old baby with work of breathing should be monitored,
0: let alone a premature baby. When I was watching the story. And when you told that part, I was like, I was like, oh, no! I'm usually a pretty mouthy person
1: too. Right. But I didn't say a word to him because there was too much other. I thought about it. I think the yeah.
0: situation
1: may have said it all. <laughs> like <laughs> I honestly, if I ever see him again in a pediatric ward, I'm like, is there a different doctor on call? Yeah, no. I'm not. not doing that
0: okay. So that's like a little comic relief in this yeah, story. Cause this oh, is like relief a such couple. a holy cow okay so the social worker is there to keep you from melting down
1: yeah so and so she was there and I remember standing there and she was kind of trying to chat to me and I remember just saying like I'm I'm a pretty in terrible situation I'm terrible at funerals because all I want to do is crack jokes and make people laugh like I'm just yeah the and so she said something to me and I was like I yeah, I haven't even brushed my teeth today like uh, I don't know I don't know how to talk to you right now basically
0: is what yeah I and she was like no it's fine you're I'm like just- by nature a pretty like calm cool collected person in times of like before this you were a calm cool collected person in times of stress or in times of lots going on like there are other things you've gone through in your might in your life that I think some people would be traumatized by and you are not you don't feel like it's a trauma thing like you're so strong and so like calm cool collected I could see I can picture you in this scenario like I can picture you in that room like no girlfriend don't talk to me right now like that was not the time like I don't need that right now I'm gonna need something later
1: yeah (laughs) right anyway keep going I mean I think I am that way but I mean it's also weird to think of yourself as like I'm so calm because like I don't know maybe (laughs) maybe other people like I, I I don't know and I know other people who would argue otherwise because they see my intense side because they disagree with my boundaries if that makes sense no it and like I'm sense. a pretty calm person but if you disagree with like a parenting choice or my boundaries and you're going to
0: go against me in the moment I'm going to call you on mm-hmm. it that's no, also totally good. I I just I think that you have a really great way of choosing your times of freaking out and melting down does that make sense like you yeah. you have a very good control over like this is not the right time for this this is the right time for this does that make sense yeah it makes sense it's just a compliment (laughs) is that a weird compliment no it's a good one it's just i don't know how to receive it as all no no it's it's anyways anyways so let's keep going so you guys are in the room she's there you haven't brushed your teeth in two days yeah the, and they're stabilizing him, but I didn't know that they couldn't do anything but oxygen in so in emerge. So they have to you have to be admitted to be intubated. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So, okay, um, so at this point, you get admitted into ICU.
1: Yeah. So they said we're gonna have to put on high flow oxygen because low flows like regular flow is not enough. Um, and I don't remember what his stats were. I wish I could remember what his stats were and and be like, oh, like this is what regular oxygen for him. But I have no idea, but he was not breathing. Like we were still pinching him and hurting him on regular oxygen. And like, he was still just lying there unresponsive. Like he wasn't blue anymore, but he was just lying there unresponsive. Like arms out, like not even like curled up like a cute little baby, like just arms out. Oh. Like a dead baby would be just limp and unresponsive. Right. And, and uh, I remember I said to them a few times, I know there's oxygen going into him. He's not breathing, but I know oxygen's being pumped into him. Like he's okay. Right. And they were like, yes. And I, and so like four times, I reworded that question, like four times. Mm-hmm. I said it very matter of factly, like very, mm-hmm. I was not like, I don't think I was a bit panicky. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think I was very much okay. Like, I want to make sure like, because there's oxygen being forced in his nose right now, even though he's not taking breaths, his body is okay. Right.
0: Yeah. Like I I asked the that. So it's still pumping.
1: Yeah, like, anyway, I, well, I knew his heart was still pumping because it was being monitored, but, like, his, oh, his right. organs, his organs aren't dying, like, you right. know, they're not getting oxygen kind of thing, right? Obviously, right. like, his heart is pumping, and obviously, but, like, yeah, like, yeah. it was, oh, my god. I asked that so many times because I just wanted to make sure I was understanding everything, and yeah. so they're, like, yeah, we have to admit you for high-flow oxygen. I think they did fit him with high-flow oxygen, but it was, like, we, we he was fitted, and then we just immediately moved to ICU. Like, it wasn't, like, we stayed in there. It was, like, immediate. Right. Medical. Because I don't remember being in ICU and him not being on BiPAP because shortly after. So I remember, I think it was, they kept saying like, so I'm really sorry. He he needs to be on high flow oxygen. So we need to admit you. And then I'm really sorry. He's not responding to high flow oxygen. We need to put him on a BiPAP. And I just kept being like, do it, please do it. Like, yeah. So I think I I honestly think as soon as we got into um, ICU, they put a BiPAP on him, like almost immediately. Okay, and explain what, what BiPAP is. Oh gosh, I don't know if I can. So CPAP is like keeping pressure going into your... So I think this is what it is. CPAP is keeping your lungs
0: open and pushing the air in and the breaths okay. out,
1: if that makes sense. So at
0: this point, it's not intubated. It's no. a mask over his face. It's a mask over his face. Okay. So is BiPAP Bi- also a mask over his face, not intubated?
1: Yeah, BiPAP is okay. also a mask over his face. Okay. So CPAP is the, into the, just a the mask over the face, forcing air in, but keeps mm-hmm. the lungs open. BiPAP okay. doesn't keep the lungs open specifically. It allows more natural breaths to happen. I
0: okay. Okay. Could be
1: wrong. Okay. I guess the, so he okay. would want a BiPAP this time because even CPAP and NICU and BiPAP. Okay. Here. Okay. And I remember they said like, we don't because, and they obviously asked me for all the information. And I remember they said, because of his temperature and everything, like we're going to test him for sepsis and meningitis and like all these other things. And they're like, we're going to treat him for sepsis and meningitis right away just in case because we need to catch those right away and is the the risks of the medication are far better than the risks of leaving sepsis or meningitis oh
0: my gosh and i
1: just i obviously i know they're both bad but i remember saying that we like we just have to get a blood test run first before we can do the medication and I remember being like, when are the blood people coming? When are the blood people coming? Like you need, sepsis is really bad. Like that needs to be treated right away. Like you need to treat him now. When are the blood people coming? And they kept being like, they're coming, we promise. And I was like, but when are the blood people coming? Like, and I just, yeah, like, when are the blood people coming? Like, give it to me in minutes here. Yeah, like, And so they came, they took blood. And like, I feel like they took blood and immediately someone gave him an injection for medication for sepsis. Like it was like bad. And so, yeah, so everything. So this initially happened around like 5.50 at night. We probably got to the hospital around like 7.30, 8 p.m. Okay. Um, We were into, we were put into ICU around 9 p.m. Okay. Ish, I'm guessing here. And then when we got in there, so we were on on BiPAP, you're a two to one. So your nurse has two patients to one nurse. Okay. And I remember sitting by his bed and like, honestly, it was like every, like one to three minutes, we had to pinch him to make him breathe again. Because he would just, they were like, anytime his respiratory rate drops below 15, I think it was 15, you need to pinch him to make him breathe. Maybe it was 10. And it was honestly every few minutes. And I remember sitting there, AJ was like, Do you mind if I lay down? Like I need to sleep. And I was like, That's fine. And he was like, Please know that this isn't that I don't care. And I was like, I'm not gonna sleep. So you may as well sleep. Yeah. And I remember there was what before he went to sleep, there was one point when his respiratory weight went down and we were pinching him and trying to hurt him. And his, his sats were dropping, like his oxygen was dropping, his heart rate was dropping, everything was dropping. And the nurses came rushing in and they like had something they actually poked him with to like hurt him and make him take a breath. And they were like, if that happens, like if his numbers are dropping like that, you have to hurt him. You can't be like, you have to, you can't be afraid of not hurting him. And it was like, now I know like the reason why is because like, if he crashes all the way, they're going to have to do CPR on him again. Like that's what's happening. Oh my God. Yeah. So that happened. AJ laid down and I remember sitting there and it was like, I don't know, like two in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. And so for every one to three minutes from probably 10 PM till three o'clock in the morning, I was sitting next to his bed, pinching him and hurting him to make him breathe. What I've learned now and understand now, because I remember sitting there thinking like, how can we, like is this as much intervention as there is like how yeah. are we going to do this if he stops That's, breathing every two minutes And ask like, that question what are we supposed to do and i was like like and the nurse not that she wasn't there she was out there but like she wasn't coming in because his alarm wasn't sounding because i was pinching him to make him breathe often enough like i was he had nail marks on me from, from on him from me hurting him which is like so freaking hard like, like you're yeah. just sitting there trying to keep your baby alive
0: oh. Sammy
1: and so what I know now is that like if his alarm had sounded more often if I had let him his alarm sound like they probably would have intubated him sooner oh. because it wasn't until it was about three thirty, I think that the three thirty four ish that the doctor came in and said as good of a job as you were doing sitting here and pinching him and hurt and getting him to breathe like you can't do this he's yes. not breathing well enough on his own like I'm really sorry we have to intubate him and I remember really? just being like Please intubate him and so like she obviously came and went and looked at his chart and was like this kid is not breathing like he's not breathing on his own he needs to be intubated so then he's a comic relief for you so then they were prepping his room for so to be intubated you have to have a one-to-one like the nurse is just okay. like watching you all the time okay and um so aj was sleeping on this bed in the icu room and they were like well we have to switch you rooms <clears throat> to set you up on a one-to-one this really nice south african, i think he was south african doctor comes in and, and they're like so many people come in because they have somebody's got to move the pipes and somebody's got to move the machines and someone's got to wheel it and the, there's got to be a doctor and a rest so all these people come in lights go up <clears throat> so much noise is happening to move him to a new room and aj's just sleeping on the bed and i assumed that he heard this going on but was just like <laughs> well there's nothing for me to do so i'll just keep sleeping that's what i assumed and the doctor came to me and he said wouldn't it be funny if we just like left him here and he just <gasps> woke up with an empty room and I oh laughed God. I like, yeah and but I just assumed he heard us so I was like well obviously he's gonna hear us so like they wheel the whole bed out AJ doesn't move and so I went over and I was like age hey. and he was like what I was like we're moving rooms he was legitimately asleep oh my God. like bright bright lights come on like 10 people come in the room it's so loud and he did not <laughs> wake up and I was like I really wish we'd left him there like it would have been really funny for him to just wake up to this empty like like, somebody would have come and woke him up for a new patient but it would have been like really funny (laughs) so they said like you know it takes about 45 minutes to get him intubated you probably don't want to. well they have to like technically sedate him and wait for that to kick in and then put the tube in and set everything up and yeah so they said there's a family room you can wait in
0: and I think, I, like, I think you said it already, but how did you feel the minute you heard they're going to intubate him? Like they kept saying, Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but like they're expecting you to be disappointed. But how, how was your, what was your gut feeling when I was like, please do,
1: please intubate yeah. him. Like he's, I like can't do relieved? I relieved. I don't know if relieved is the answer, but I wasn't upset about it. Right. I was like, whatever you got to do to keep him alive, please. Yeah. please yeah what we're doing right now is not working so totally that took a while we sat in the room and waited and then they came out and said like he saw that. and the doctor came so I had I don't I know I know this happened but I don't recall the conversations but um I had told a bunch of the nurses about the doctor in the original ER being the doctor that greeted us in this ER and the misinformation he'd given me and how many times I'd seen people and they kept dismissing me I told the nurses about this And so they had expressed this to the doctor, the South African doctor, who was really wonderful. And so after they intubated him, he came and sat in the room with us. And he was like, he's intubated now and kind of gave us, here's what we can expect. And he was like, you know, like 99% of babies, like we think he has RSV. Obviously, we don't know that yet. But like 99% of babies that come out of this are fine. And I was like, honestly, like, I appreciate where you're coming from. But I've been told so many percentages lately. Mm -hmm. I don't care. (laughs) That doesn't make me feel better right now. And like, yeah. obviously that's not information I've shared in this podcast, but in the pregnancy, there was all these percentages that were like, oh, it's gonna be so good. And it all yeah. went the wrong way. So yeah, that's where I was coming from on that. And
0: and those percentages are, I think they tell people that because they think it's supposed to make you feel better. But then if you're the percentage out, it doesn't make you feel better. It makes you feel worse, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, great, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks
1: for sharing the like, that I'm so- So lucky to be in that 1%. So, so rare. rare. Not that I was, but fortunately. Yeah. So then he was like, you can go in and see him now. He's like, he's pretty sedated, which is funny because like, I mean, he was basically just sedated this whole time. Like he was right. unresponsive anyway. It's not like his totally. eyes were open and he was looking around the room before he got intubated. He was unresponsive as it was. my god! I remember we went into the room and I just think about like that time, that period of time from like 5.50 ish in the PM on Wednesday evening till 4am on yeah. thursday morning we basically spent keeping him alive just like doing everything we could to make him keep breathing so it was like 11 hours almost oh my god like, 10 hours to doing that and it's just like yeah. so crazy so they were testing him for everything yeah. like he had an echo he they had still
0: an didn't know yet what this was
1: no it took forever for his viral swab to come back his sepsis came back negative decently quickly I think they don't test for meningitis unless they have to or there's very obvious signs because they have to do a spinal tap to do that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they, 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 they he wasn't improving after a couple, a day or so and we hadn't gotten the viral swab back and so they said we're gonna we know I'm, we have to test him for meningitis like we need to check this mm-hmm. and I was like okay and so they um they prepped him like literally cleaned his back put the tape stuff on that they do had him turned over. Like we're literally about to poke him with a needle when the doctor came in and said, okay, something asked me something about testing. I think it was before they put, po- they had the needle out and it was before they put it in. They were, she was like, do you understand all of this? And I was like, yeah, but the viral swab hasn't come back yet. Like it's been a long time. Yeah. I don't think I said that, but I asked about the viral swab and she was like, I'm going to go check his file one more time. Don't poke him yet. And she went and checked his file and the viral swab had come back and like so she came that back time to, frame. yeah she was like don't poke him it's rsv and he's got pneumonia and bronchiolitis don't poke him
0: god so okay, i was so like he's got rsv pneumonia and bronchitis bronchiolitis yeah yeah which is just like a common lung
1: thing for kids under the age of two
0: that is like god yeah
1: like I say all this and like, I'm saying this from a, like this freaking sucked, but like there are people with such worse stories of finding out diagnosis for their kids and like hearing these horrible stories and being told that their kid only has 24 hours to live and their kid magically makes it through. Like there's so many worse stories. So I don't mm-hmm. think mine is like the worst thing of all. The hardest part for me is, was the spending the hours keeping him alive.
0: Yeah. So we're going to pause here for today because of the length of this story, we're going to be releasing it in stages. So please stay tuned for following episodes. We really appreciate you listening along. We'll see you next time on the Happy Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Please feel free to find us on our Instagram
1: page at thehappysoul.podcast and share with us your biggest takeaway from today's episode.
0: We can't wait to see you again next time on the Happy Soul Podcast. With love, Sammy and Melissa.